Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Happy Easter, y'all! On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I chatted with Christy Hunter about the resurrection. We talked about how the resurrection that we'll gather together to celebrate this upcoming Easter Sunday is actually something that we can celebrate all the time. She said, And we can't leave out the resurrection. We can't leave it out. Life, death, and resurrection. And you know, at our church, we talk about, we celebrate Easter every week. We don't celebrate the risen Christ just on Easter. He's seated at the right hand of God. He, he's there. It's not just once. He died and rose once, right? But because he lives, we rejoice and we celebrate and we worship every week and every day. Our entire conversation is centered around the reality that Christ's life, death, and resurrection changes every area of our lives as believers every single day. So you'll know her a little better. Christy was actually a friend and mentor of mine back when I was in college. She's been married to Justin for almost 16 years. She's the mama to two boys, Stevens and Styles, and they make their home in Northwest Arkansas. Woo pig! Christy loves the life that God's given her, even though it's a life she never dreamed that she'd be living, which we talk about today. What's up? Wait, did you hit record? I'm not going to tell you when I hit record. Oh, you aren't. <laughs> this is unofficial. This is like a phone call like we've had a million times over and over, Christy. Oh, okay. I'm not All even right. going to say welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, Hunter. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Northwest Arkansas. The sun's out. When I went out to move the recycle away from the mailbox where my kids put it last night, so the recycle man wouldn't take out the mailbox at the same time as he took the recycle, <laughs> I could see the moon. And my husband hollered out of the car window as he left look at the moon, look at it's radiating, it's reflecting the sun. And um, he's like, that's what you and Hunter get to talk about today. Oh, I love that man. You've got a good one. Why don't you tell people a little bit about your family? Um, okay, I'm Christy Hunter. And we live in Northwest Arkansas, which is where we met, which is where we met mm -hmm, back in the day, we used to be buddies, we still are but now we're long distance buddies, which is sad. Uh-huh. It is sad, but I rejoice in how God's grown our hearts mm -hmm. still together and our friendship over mm -hmm. all these years, even though I don't get to see your eyeballs ever. Isn't that amazing? I do. I feel closer to you. Mm-hmm. Which, what a sweet gift. Okay. So yeah, I am married to an amazing 
man. His name's Justin. We've Who we can married. thank for you being on this podcast today because would you have done it if he wouldn't have encouraged you? Uh, probably not. <laughs> no. Other than, well, you were pretty persuasive. <laughs> he has the gift of encouragement. He is just an encourager and he is exactly what God knew I needed in a husband. Mm. He's also really funny. Yeah, he's really funny. He makes things light, which is also what I needed because life hasn't always been light and uh, I need that in my life. So yeah, we've been married almost 16 years. We have two boys. That's amazing. I didn't know it was 16 years. You're 10 years ahead of us in marriage. Yeah, it's by God's grace. I mean, you <laughs> yes. it feels like forever and at the same time, it feels like you blink. Oh, that's so sweet. I love being a student of my husband's. I love that the covenant and promise we made as young kids, right? I mean, we were 23, Aww. but you know, none of us know really sure. what we're doing, right? We promise to love a man that then God changes and mm -hmm. we promise to love them even when they change. And the cool thing is you can look at that as a negative like, uh-oh, this guy's going to change. Or yeah. you can look at that as a positive and I get to know him. And so early on, someone suggested, I don't even remember where I heard it, like be a student of your husband's. And it's just really a privilege and honor to be married to Justin and get to know him more and more every year. And I just love him more and more every year. So anyway, I'm married to Justin. We have two boys. They're amazing. And I love, greatest honor is, besides being Justin's wife is being their mom. Mm -hmm. You're such a and, great mama. I have fond memories of you bringing them to the Kappa house and then like I mean, wrapping their scripture memory verses for me in room 202. <laughs> right. And my husband said to them, guys, you're the only boys that have been up to a room in the Kappa house. <laughs> It's probably let's true. Hope, let's hope they never end up back in a room in a cap in the Kappa house. <laughs> true that. So yeah, they're in sixth grade and fourth grade. Stevens is the oldest and Styles is our youngest. And when I found out I was having a boy, I panicked. That's the way I would feel. What in the world? I have no idea what to do with a boy. And by God's grace, now I cannot imagine not having boys. Like, I love being a boy mom. Oh, I love being a boy mom. Um, every time I find out someone's having a boy, I just gush about getting to be a boy mom. So that's awesome. I get to stay home. <laughs> I laugh uh -huh. when you say that because when, when people say stay home, you just kind of think of this like laid back, like, you know, take your kids to school, which is totally fine. But your staying home is a very active endeavor. <laughs> no, right. It's nonstop. It's you are from... homeschooling these boys. Right. You well, are also like doing a side hustle thing. What are, what are you doing? Well, I just recently turned what I kind of like to play at into a little job with a friend. We recently remodeled our home. What started out as like countertops and backsplash ended up being moving walls and gutting bathrooms. And, wow. That's impressive. Well, impressive or naive because <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of stumbled into it. It's really a long story, but I love making a home work for your family and we love hosting people in our home. And anyway, it's been a real joy to get to use my creative juices to pick tile and paint. And I'm sitting here staring at windows, black windows with a brick wall and some shiplap. And it's just been really, really fun. And when my mom passed away, she died about a year after we got married. Mm -hmm. My sweet husband, again, he didn't know what he was doing, but by God's grace, he knocked it out of the park. 
we cleaned out my only home after she died for 10 days and Mm. anything I flinched at wanting to keep, Justin said, keep it. And so we lived in a hundred year old farmhouse and there were some doors and some leaded cabinet doors. And so I got to draw and design our kitchen around these cabinet doors that I kept out of my mom's or my house growing up. And so anyway, my friend, we play at each other's houses all the time and help people. But recently we've, we've taken on a, a big remodel for a lady and it's just been really fun to get to do together. And so I do do that as well, but our kids go to a university model school. Mm-hmm. And so they go two days a week and they're home three days a week. And so I get to be with them three days a week. And, um, the cool thing is, is I don't have to pick curriculum. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just like a partner, but then I get time with them and we get to train in life and talk about Jesus and hash through sin with one another and make a mess of life and love each other through it. So it's really fun. Very cool. The other interesting part about our life is Justin and I are both only children. Mm. And so the unique dynamic of our lives is we have aging parents. Yeah. We've cared for two or helped care for one and cared for one as they've died already in our 16 years of marriage. And we've put another one in a nursing home. Well, mm. he chose, he needed to go there. That wasn't our yeah. doing. So there isn't anybody else. And so we, our boys, we're a team. The Hunter family is a team and we have a motto. We, we say hunters are a team and we're brave and we do hard things. And so we've had to do a lot of hard things in these last few years. And Justin and I, over our 16 years, unfortunately, have been marked by by a lot of hard things. But what God has used those hard things for has reaped a harvest of righteousness in our lives. And for that, we're so grateful. Yeah. Uh, that is a unique dynamic to have younger children totally. and caring for adult parents. Yeah, and-, and not to have any siblings to like rely on in the process. I didn't know that Justin was an only child as well. And I think one of the things that I've watched you grow in over the last, I guess, seven, eight, nine years of knowing you is as you've walked through this process, you have grown in, I think maybe your dependence on the gospel. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, absolutely. It's the only way I stand. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. So when we considered like having you on the podcast, I was like, well, of course, the thing that characterizes you is your affection for the gospel. And then I kind of threw a curveball at you because I think you were comfortable with talking about the gospel, but I wanted to hone in on one particular element of the gospel, which is the resurrection. So 
why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you felt when I said, hey, can you come on the podcast and talk about the resurrection? When you said, will you come on the podcast? Um, I thought, uh-oh, I've, I've never listened to a podcast. <laughs> so, okay, I might need to do that. And then when you said, would you come on the podcast and talk about the resurrection? I, I think my response to you was, I don't have time to go to seminary before I do that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. let me just say that I assured you over conversation on the phone that I want two moms who you're a step ahead of me, Christy, your theology is a step ahead of me. I want two normal people who haven't been to seminary and who are just seeking to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and to develop and grow in their theology and to hash through this topic that is kind of intimidating, I think, to most of us. Like We hear often that the resurrection is an essential element of the gospel, but we don't really want to address it sometimes, I think, because it just, even the word kind of seems a little bit intimidating. Absolutely. Yeah. But with the gospel, you can't separate the resurrection from the life and the death of Christ. Yes. It must all be, right? It's either all or nothing with the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And so, yeah, the resurrection on its own can be intimidating, right? Like, this guy who proclaimed to be God, if he didn't raise from the dead, he's just another little G God that died. Yes. Like every other God, but he's not. And he rose and he's alive and he rose bodily and he's seated at the right hand of God. If he stayed in the ground, if he stayed dead, that's all the Romans had to do. And the Jews had to do for this to be over was to produce a dead body, but they couldn't. Yes. So Paul, you know, when he's writing in 1 Corinthians 15, which is like a huge chapter on the resurrection, he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So based on what you said, what that verse says, I think it's safe to say that the resurrection is a vital element to our salvation. But I think before we even go there, can you help us lay this foundation for why we desperately need the life, death and resurrection of Christ? Mom to mom, right? Um, <laughs> yes. You know, if you were sitting across the table from me, whether we were on the phone or here, this yes. this is likely what we would be talking about. And it's so, so true. You're one of my most favorite people to talk to because I love talking about the gospel. And Hunter, it's just crazy because as much as I wanted to run, I mean, I looked for every excuse to not do this podcast because... I'm a mom and a wife and I don't have a book and I book, don't yeah. have a blog <laughs> and I don't have, I mean, I, that's it. Like I, I don't have a platform other than I'm a sinner saved by grace, by faith mm-hmm. and the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about that person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And, but the coolest thing is this is the one, it, the one thing that kept me seriously from running is we've been going through 1 Corinthians in our church. Oh, really? That's crazy. Hey, guess what chapter? No, you did 15 last week. First half of 15 last week, second half what? of 15 this week. No what? joke. That's crazy. Right. Well, we were in Colorado, so I listened to it online. But That is I literally God-ordained, obviously, as all things he, are. <laughs> right. He's sovereign over every yes, detail. That is incredible. And, That's such an encouragement, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I see you, Christy, here. 
Right. And jump. And you're going to do something that I'm going to enable you to do. And yes. look at, I've even known from before the foundation of the world that I would. <laughs> this sermon series would right. literally be on the chapter in the Bible that is like explicitly about right. the resurrection of Jesus Christ the Sunday right. before you're on this podcast. That's hilarious. Right. The beginning of 15 in 1 Corinthians, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, mm. that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then it goes on to list who all he appeared to. Why did Christ need to come? Mm-hmm. He needed to come because we are needy people mm-hmm. and we cannot save ourselves. And we have been spending our whole lives from the beginning of time, trying to save ourselves. Way, way, way back, all the way back in the garden. Here's Eve. All the way back in the garden. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were, Adam and Eve were under the covenant of works. They had one, they were free to work the garden. Mm-hmm. They had one thing they couldn't do. Eat of the tree of the knowledge. knowledge of good and evil. Yes. Right. One thing. And they failed. Adam failed. And the temptation was Eve is looking at the snake and the snake says, you will surely be like God. Right. And that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Trying to save yourself, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so then in Genesis 3.15, we get the entrance, the ushering in of the gospel and the gospel promise. Mm-hmm. And so all of the Old Testament whispers his name as anyone that's read the Jesus Storybook Bible, which I, I mean, I read the thing and every time I read it, I cry. You know, you had to get the Jesus Storybook Bible when two moms are talking about the resurrection. I just read it this morning. I mean, it's just the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest book So God promises there in Genesis 3.15, he's going to bring a redeemer. He's going to bring one to crush Satan's head. And so the whole Old Testament are these these people trying to follow God's law and the law crushing them that they cannot do it. Right. And so then here comes comes the one that's been prophesied that the prophets have said it will come. This is is what he'll do. And here he comes and he does it. He lives the perfect life because we couldn't. And then he dies the death that we deserve. We deserve God's wrath. But instead, Jesus took it upon himself on the cross so we wouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. And he died a death that he did not deserve to die. He could have gotten off that cross at any point, but he didn't. And he didn't because he loves us. Mm -hmm. And he endured the wrath of God that we justly deserve. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't stay dead. And the reason he didn't stay dead is because this has been the plan from all time that he would rise from the dead because God was pleased. His sacrifice, his substitution on our behalf was sufficient. It's really quite unbelievable. I think the whole concept actually, it kind of sounds crazy if you take a step back from the story, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is unthinkable. Even I think with all of the prophecy and everything, they weren't expecting that, were they? No, they wanted a ruling king to relieve them of their circumstances. And they got a suffering servant who addressed their most vital need in being rescued from their sin. And then he blew up everything. The whole sacrificial system, the whole Levitical law, was done because his sacrifice was final and sufficient for all of sin. How do we know that this actually happened? Okay, so this was pretty cool this week. 
So we do a women's Bible study at our church, and we have questions that our pastor writes over the sermon. I love that. And then he teaches, he comes in and talks with us in uh, the last 25 minutes. So it's really fun to get to discuss the sermon. Our, our church is expository, and so we just, we just plow through. Not plow through, like get through it, but like you move through verse the by first, move yes. through the scripture. Because every word is important and every word is true. I remember when I was a children's leader in BSF and holding my Bible as they taught us to for all the little ones saying, every word in this book is true. Do you want to touch it? And all the little ones would come around and touch God's word, right? And just like that, we handle God's word carefully and reverently, right? Because every word is true and every word is important. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there. Anyway, this week we were talking about in a courtroom, right? How do you how do you provide a, a defense? The defense lawyer would stand up and then he might cross-examine someone. And so how do you prove what's true? Evidence. Written account. Right. And eyewitnesses. Yeah. And so here in First Corinthians, Paul, right after he walks through the gospel in two mm-hmm. through four, in four, in accordance with the scriptures. So it's been written, right, that Christ would come, the Messiah would come, he would suffer, he would die, and he would rise again. Mm-hmm. And so then, so Paul uses scripture, right? This is this has been prophesied, this has been written, and then he says in five, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So Paul is writing this from a firsthand account. He saw the risen Christ. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. Right. And I think in the world we live in, we also talked about this in Bible study, because of YouTube and, uh, you know, the internet, we don't take eyewitness as credible, right? But for them, for when Paul was writing this, it's written and they saw him. Yeah. And you know what? That's all they needed. They wouldn't have died if they wouldn't have actually seen him, right? They wouldn't have gone to their death for this message of the gospel if it wasn't true, right? Absolutely. And you know what? That gospel and that message is still true today. Yes. And we can't leave out the resurrection. Yes. We can't leave it out. Life, death, and resurrection. And you know, at our church, we talk about, we celebrate Easter every week. We don't celebrate the risen Christ just on Easter. He's seated at the right hand of God. He, he's there. It's not just once. He died and rose once, right? Mm-hmm. But because he lives. Because he lives, we rejoice and we celebrate and we worship every week yeah. and every day. You know, you go through First Corinthians 15 and it Paul unpacks the resurrection and its significance throughout the whole chapter. And then he ends it by saying, therefore, my dear brothers, like in other words, in light of the resurrection, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Maybe this is a stretch, but I think sometimes we're like trying to be immovable, excelling in the Lord's work without recognizing the power of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really like Paul says, your labor would be in vain if we weren't working in light of what Christ has done. So let's flesh that out a little bit more. What does the resurrection actually mean for us? Like, what are the effects of the resurrection that we experience on a daily basis? Well, we have the hope of heaven. We are free from the penalty of sin. 
But one day we will be free from the presence of sin. Amen. I cannot wait. This brokenness that we still live in will be gone. Yes. And he will have made all things new and all things right. The power of the resurrection causes us to have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Yes. In the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes. By faith in that life, death, and resurrection of Christ, he has given us a helper. And that's that's the person of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we have conviction of sin. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no conviction of sin. Right. And so because of the Holy Spirit, we can even call sin, sin, and we are even able to repent of it. Thank you, God. Yes. And, and I think, too, yes, we have the hope of heaven and we're excited about that. I mean, that changes everything. But then we can also proclaim the hope that we have to other people. So it's a very active right. endeavor. Like the nations right. must hear about this Savior who has come and right. who's come to save the world. Absolutely. Um, our kids need it every day. We need it every day. We need to be reminded of our sinfulness and Christ's righteousness every single day because it causes us to worship. And just like all the people that Christ appeared to after he rose from the mm -hmm. dead, what did they all do? They all immediately went and told somebody. You know, when they saw him, they worshiped. And then that worship, I think, spurred them to right. proclamation. Well, and proclamation is a form of worship. Yes. Right? We testify to the one we know. What's that quote where it's like, you become what you behold? Sanctification? Yes. As you <laughs> behold him. You will Praise become God. more like him. And I think by becoming more like him, it will obviously like naturally flesh itself out kind of in, in an evangelistic sense. Right. You can't help but talk about what you've seen and what you've experienced when he changes you. Right. You can't. I am living a life I never dreamt I would live. And I don't mean mm. that in, uh, I sat around dreaming of this perfect life. Yeah. Life's hard. Yeah. Life is hard, but I am not in any way, shape or form. I don't talk the same. I don't look the same. I don't speak the same. Mm -hmm. Praise God for that. Honestly, like I think even in our relationship, just in the, the seven, eight years we've known each other, we loved Jesus seven, eight years ago, but it's just, it's so cool to see how much he has stirred your affection for him, Christy, even in seven to eight years. That's encouraging. That's the spirit's work in our life. Right. And you know what? Unfortunately, or fortunately, God does that oftentimes in suffering. Mm. That is like such a theme of this podcast by accident. But it's so true. Yeah. It's just a consistent thread throughout all the podcasts that I feel like I've had. It always goes back to suffering. Why do you mm -hmm. think that is? because it teaches us to trust him. When we're at the end of ourselves, that's a wonderful place to be because yes. then all the only thing we have to cling to is Jesus. I don't remember the verse. I'm trying to look it up right here, but you know, it talks about be like your savior and it's like look at what our savior has come and done. The son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom yes. for yes. many. We are to be like our savior, our rabbi who we're following. Right. And he suffered more than he, any of us could ever imagine. Right. My suffering does not even compare to his suffering. No. And when we understand the grace and the suffering that he has lavished on us mm -hmm. and experienced on our behalf, yes. then we are compelled to give that grace to others that don't deserve it either. Yes. And for me, 
that's practically in the everyday with my children, but it's also, I have an extremely difficult relationship with my dad. Mm -hmm. There are many people that have said, I can't believe you have any, any relationship with him, Mm. but that's not what God's called us to. Yeah. And when I remember, and I have seasons where God is reminding me and I'm believing the gospel more. And then I have seasons where I'm angry again and I, I need to be reminded minute by minute that I can move towards my dad in grace. Yeah. Because that's really what God does for sinners. He moves towards us when we were objects of his wrath, justly deserving his displeasure. He moves towards us. He moves towards sinners when we cannot do anything to please him. And so when we believe the gospel, when we understand that, then by his grace, by that power that lives within us because of the resurrection, we can move towards others Mm. and extend grace that they don't deserve either. Yes. Yes. And we've said this many, many times on the podcast, but because we know that we are with them collectively in our need of grace, right? Like, how could we hold them to a standard that we ourselves could not achieve? Right. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out PrepDish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. To be fair, my parents did the best they knew to do. Right. Just like everyone else, they had hurts and wounds. Mm Mm-hmm. And they chose to cope with them in some ways that by God's grace, maybe I won't. It's interesting with you in the military and my dad was a fighter pilot in Vietnam and he has struggled with PTSD my entire life, whether I knew what that was or not. And um, he left when I was two. So I never lived in a home with him. Mm. And in the last five years, he bought a home on our street And I live closer to him than I've lived to him since I was two. Wow. And then he lost his driver's license Mm -hmm. because he got sick and he needed me. That's tremendous. Hunter, I cannot muster up the grace to move towards my dad. No. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah. Nor can I muster up to homeschool my children on days I just want to drink my coffee and then leave me alone. Oh, my word. That'll preach. I, I'm not experiencing the hardships with the parentals, but yes. 
and coaching kids through, we call them get tos. Um, and I, I think I learned that from, from Pine Cove. Um, those, those jobs that you get, you get to do, right? Oh yeah. Are you talking like chores? Well, yes, but we call answering the phone when we don't want to get to's when it's grandpa or mm-hmm. going to the nursing home when it smells like, mm-hmm. you know, people yeah. need their diaper changed, Ooh. get to's. And my father-in-law, he, he died a little over a year ago of Alzheimer's at the age of 65. And so whenever we were with either grandfather, right, and my husband wasn't there, guess who had to get to go in the bathroom to make sure the grandpa could get out of the bathroom? Oh, yeah. Those are get to's. How do you manage to call it a get to when it's just so seemingly undesirable? Well, God has from before the foundation of the world, he has prepared good works in advance for us to walk in and he has callings. Earlier in First Corinthians this year, we were, live according to your calling, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes our callings aren't things we want to do. <laughs> yeah. I had to have that conversation this morning reminding my children after we've done this for seven years <laughs> about doing school first thing on Friday morning. Yeah. Live according to your calling. This is where God has you. And yes. so because God is good. And he knows what we need. Yes. This is God's best for me right now. Yeah. And that might mean helping a grandpa out of the bathroom. Yeah. Or that might be doing school. Or that might be folding laundry. Yes. Live your calling. Live yes. what God, in, in the calling God has for you in your life right here, right now. Yeah, I think that's really good because I feel like on Instagram or Wherever you're scrolling, there's just so many things about pursuing your dreams and following your calling. And we always think that's like a future experience. But you're saying that living your calling is walking in the good works that God has set before you today, whatever those are, no matter how simple they seem. With joy, believing by faith that God is good and he knows what's best for me. Yes. God's perfect provision for me was my parents. Yes. That's such a hard concept when, you know, you, you grow with a, a father. I'm not saying this is yours in particular, some, you know, with some traits. A dad that, that leaves. Yeah. A dad that leaves. An absent father or yes. And again, the way my mom coped with life was she chose to drink. Yeah. So while she stayed and she did the best she could for me. I was an only child in a home with an alcoholic mother. Mm. And so what I learned after my mom died, after many, many years of wrestling is my greatest need was not my mama. Yeah. My greatest need is Christ. Yeah. And so in those days that I feel like I'm failing my children, I need to remember God's pursuit of this sinner's heart, despite anything man could try to do to stop him. Yes. And what my children need more than me to be perfect. Yeah. They need their Savior, who is alive and seated at the right hand of God. Mm. They do not need to have straight A's. They do not need to play on the best team. They do not need the perfect home. While I love to make a pretty house, yeah, they don't need a perfect mom. Yes. They don't need a perfect dad. They need someone 
and his name is Jesus, and he has lived the perfect life, and they need to be reminded, I need to be reminded, you need to be reminded yes. that we cannot add one thing to the work of Christ, to the gospel. We couldn't add it pre our salvation, and we cannot add one thing to it post our salvation. Right. We have to rest in the one that did it perfectly for us. Yes. And that is when I can breathe, Hunter. Yes. When I, I know. start buying into that lie that my kids are going to be failures or whatever, that this whole thing hinges on me, I'm yeah. sunk. Totally. I'm that breeds sunk. a ton of anxiety and depression. <laughs> right. Because you're looking forward and you're like, I can't do it. And you're looking backward and you're like, I didn't do it. Right. So how in those moments where we are just like you're saying, I mean, you grew up in a home with a mother who's an alcoholic, a father who's absent. You know, even now you experience failure as a mother. How can we do a better job of preaching the resurrection to ourselves? Like, how do you actually do that on a practical level, Christy, when you are filled with despair and discouragement? Well, I had to do it before I talked to you. <laughs> Yeah. I got nothing, Hunter, other than Jesus. I mean, like I said, I don't have a podcast. I don't have a blog. I don't have <laughs> a book. I'm a mom living my calling for the glory of God and for the Lord willing, the good of others here in Northwest Arkansas. And I have to remind myself, I have nothing to prove in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Jesus has done it all for me. Yeah his life, death, and then his resurrection. And it is Easter every day. Yes. We need to remember that. I have been declared not guilty by the record of another. And that makes people yeah. extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Because we're resting in the work of someone else. Yes, this is faith. <laughs> this is faith. God's goal is to root us out of us in sanctification. Yeah. And some of us, it takes epic events like <laughs> life completely blowing up to do that to us. That's the history of all of God's people, like 40 years in the desert. You know what I'm saying? That's a pretty epic uprooting out of Egypt. <laughs> right. And they're that stubborn that that's what yes, they needed. Yes, it took 40 years to get the Egypt out of them. And you know what? That's the same for me. I'm that stubborn, right? Yes. And so mom dies a year into getting married. We care for her as she dies. Then all of this other life. Then we have babies, right? If that's not going to root you out of you and show your selfishness. <laughs> and then when our second is one years old, mm. or not even six months, Justin's dad's diagnosed with Alzheimer's at 57. That's crazy. That's so young. I, I knew that, but I just didn't have a framework for the age 57. And now my parents are 57. That's so young. And the one longing to be grandpa is slowly mm. slipping away. Not that the, not that my dad doesn't long to be grandpa, but it's different. Sure. It it's different. My dad loves my kids. Oh, he loves them. Oh. It is one of his greatest joys to talk about about them and I I don't I don't want that to sound like Right. You don't want to diminish that. No, by by no means. They were just different grandpas right. and to watch the one fight to, he lost like 80 pounds because he wanted to live a long time. And then he was for his grandsons. And then he even wrote a book to try to help other people. I mean, it was like a pamphlet. Let's, let's be honest. It yeah. wasn't really a book, <laughs> but um, he had the gift of encouragement. And so mm. if he could do it, he wanted, he wanted to help others do it because he loved his grandsons. And That's so, so sweet, but going back to the rooting us out of us, right. Yeah. 
you start to go, okay, God, uncle, I'm throwing the flag. Like I'm tired. Sure. I'm tired. I'm weary. Yeah. And he says, you know what? I gotcha. Mm. Yeah. I gotcha. I've been holding on to you this whole time and I'm not going to let you go. Mm -hmm. And even when you can't hold on. Yes. uh, No one can snatch you out of my hand. Right. Going back to first Corinthians. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand. Mm. That's how we stand. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the gospel. Mm. We stand on God's grace and his mercies new every morning. And we remind ourselves of that. And then we look at our little people. And when we yell at them and we sin, we call it sin. And we tell them, Mama's so sorry. Yeah. I hurt you. And that is not how God wants me to talk to you. Yes. Will you please forgive me? We yes. agree with God with what he calls sin. And then we, we bring about reconciliation. When we ask for forgiveness, it demands a response, right? Yeah. With God or with our children, we're just living and speaking biblically. Yes. And then after that, I know you point your kids to the hope that they have in Jesus and the hope that you have, even in your failures as a mother. So practically, what would that look like if you're looking at Stevens or Stiles in the face and you have messed up and you've apologized and you've sought reconciliation with them? How can you point them to the hope that even you have in that moment in the resurrection of Christ? I might say, praise God that my ability to be your mom mm-hmm. does not rest on me being perfect because look at mama is not perfect, Yes, but there is one that's perfect and his name is Jesus and he's my hope and he's your hope. He's your only hope. And when my kids sin, we've always called it sin. Um, we had a family early on when Justin and I were dating They challenged us to always call sin, sin. Hmm. And then rather than saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry is good. And it's not that we don't use those words. Right. We try to always follow it with, will you forgive me? Yeah. It takes ownership and it, and it, and it communicates what we really need. I don't really need to get out of this. I really need your forgiveness. Mm. For sin to be pardoned. Right. So we talk about that with our kids and, and have coached them and trained them and, and going to one another and using those words, rebuke and private yeah. and praise in public. And, you know, when your brother sins against you, go to him and own it. Mm-hmm. Dials, when he was little, he did not want to own it. Hmm. And I remember when he was, own it, <laughs> own it, say what you did. And I know he didn't, he didn't get the sin part likely at that point, but just for him to own it because he's yeah. so stubborn. Yeah. Oh, he is stubborn. But there's so much freedom. I think that's what you're saying is there's freedom in taking ownership of our sin because it acknowledges our desperate need for a savior. Right. Absolutely. And what I say to my kids a lot is, does mama's love for you depend on what you do? Mm. No, mama. Why does mama love you? Mama loves you because you're my son. Mm. You cannot do anything to change that, to change that. Yeah. You didn't do anything to create it. (laughs) You didn't, you didn't ask to be my son, but you are, you are. And I love you. And do I always like what you do? No, but just because I don't like what you do does not change how I feel about you. Yeah. 
or who you are or who you are. Um, sometimes before our boys have been playing competitive basketball and, um, we're taking a break this, this spring, which I'm just wrestled with. Yeah. Trusting Justin's leadership in that. I don't doubt him. It's just, you're a sports girl. (laughs) I'm a sports girl. That's the other weird component (laughs) that I haven't touched on. I came to Arkansas from Minnesota to play golf. At a collegiate level, which is astounding to me because I would go out and probably shoot a 110 right now if I picked up a set of clubs. I'll tell you that part of me talking myself into this thing today is... You're going to go play golf later? Oh, no. No, no, no. (laughs) No. You've done harder things than this. Yeah, yeah. You've stood on that tee box. Yes. In bigger arenas right right than this the thing about golf is your name goes up and your score and there's nowhere to hide yeah you're on a team but it's a solo performance right and so god's really been working on me in this area because for me my way out when of the alcoholic home and the ptsd yeah. was golf yeah God accomplished his purpose to bring about redemption in my life using a little white ball. And he also brought me out of a lot of the stuff that I was living underneath Hmm. through, through that game. Yeah. And so I have to preach the gospel and remind myself of the gospel with my kids. My kids do not need sports in the same way I did. And our pastor who was, um, He played football at Rice. He and I can talk in a way that I really appreciate. He has helped me with some language that I can speak to my kids before they play. Ask them before they play every game. Why do we play? We play for the glory of God and for the love of the game. Mm. And let me tell you, Hunter, no one told me that growing up. Yeah. And I don't know that I could have articulated it, but I played to get out. Yeah. And so Justin... Knowing what's best for our family as the head of our home has made the decision that we're not going to play this spring. Mm-hmm. We're going to invest in our boys' hearts. Not that you can't. This sure. is not a black-white thing, right? But we're going to spend time with our kids. We're going to go fishing. We're going to play in the backyard. Mm-hmm. We're going to read books, and we're going to talk, and we're going to be still. Mm. Almost a little bit uncomfortably. Yeah, yeah. You know, we want to we want to keep busy because if we're busy, sure. we can avoid a lot of people and a lot of things and conflict even. Right. Between caring for people these last few years and sports, we're just almost having to do a reset in our lives. Justin and I in our marriage on how to communicate again, hmm. not in a staggered, rushed way. Right. Again, it's opposite of what I ever whatever thought I would be doing. I mean, if you had told me I would grow up and I would go to Arkansas (laughs) and I would come to know my savior and I would meet a Christian man and that I would marry him and I would submit to him joyfully. And I would be on a podcast about, about the resurrection (laughs) and I would homeschool two boys I would have told you you were the biggest fool I had and, ever And your biggest passion heard. would be the gospel. Like Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I mean, I would have bet all the tea in China the other way. 
Yeah. So I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking similarly, like maybe this is their first introduction to somebody who is passionate about something like the resurrection. What are three resources that you would recommend to somebody who just wants to grow in their understanding, who maybe feels like you, (laughs) I don't know, rewind like 16 years ago? What would you recommend to those of us who want to grow in really knowing how the resurrection impacts our everyday life? Well, first of all, I want to remind our listeners and ourselves that God's growth in a person's heart does not depend on us. Amen. And like we said, it takes time. Like, I think so often I listen to something or I read something and I just want to be light years ahead. I mean, even that feeling of getting on a podcast and talking about the resurrection, you just want to be decades ahead in your spiritual growth and in your process of sanctification like than right. you are presently. But it just, it simply takes time. Right. Well, the way that God has grown me over the last 20 years has been through his word. Mm-hmm. But even more in these last six years, because there have been seasons of my life that I've been more well-read than I have these sure. last few years. Now. Yeah, I can say amen to that on my end. But um, God has God has been faithful to grow Justin and I and to grow me mm-hmm. in these last six years sitting under the word preached week in and week out Yes, in church, eyeball to eyeball with our pastor and with, with our church family. When people ask us about our church and why we go there or whatever, the answer we give is every week you get the same thing. You get the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and your need of it. And so you're encouraged and you're strengthened, and then you go out and you live it out during the week. Um, And so God has been faithful through that. And so that's the biggest thing. If anybody hears anything in three resources or whatever, is find a church that faithfully preaches the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus and your need of it um, every week and go, go. Yep. The other ways that God has grown me and our family has been through a couple of books, and I think I've actually sent them to you. Okay. What? In the mail? Well. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, I think I sent that in thing. In the past. The ABC Bible Verses yes. by Susan Hunt. That was like when my child was like a month old. And I'm oh, like I, reading I, this. <laughs> I'm not sure if I didn't send that to you before you had the baby, before you <laughs> yes. had Hadley. Yeah. You sent me that. I think you sent me Give Them Grace, or did I send that to you? No, I sent that to you too. Yes. Give Them Grace um, is another one. Which that's not just for parents. Like Give Them no. Grace is for anyone. I sent that book, Give Them Grace, to my friend Barbara when she started working at Pine Cove shepherding women oh, at one of their yes. camps. I know Barbara. Oh, I love Barbara. Because it really was a tool that God used to change my language and how yeah. I speak to my children, yeah. but also to speak to others. I felt like there was a lot of healing after having read that book because it's just, I don't know, it just, it it helps you to understand really how the gospel just impacts and intersects like every moment of every day. Well, in like parenting our children, when one wants to hit the other one because the other one's taken something Mm -hmm. from them, right? You can parent to that behavior, Mm -hmm. but would give them grace. I also love shepherding a child's heart. I Mm -hmm. read that first earlier, but give them grace circles that back 
to the gospel, that behavior, why, why do we think we deserve that? You know, why do we feel that we have the right to hit our brother or, you know, for whatever mm-hmm. they did? Give them grace helped me learn to articulate the gospel and circle everything back to our need for Jesus. Yeah. And our true need, right? It's just our behavior a lot of times is just the outworking of our true inner need and whatever's going on. It's a manifestation of whatever, whatever sin or whatever's going on in our heart. And so give them grace, help teach me again. I didn't grow up in a home to watch this or learn this, but it helped me. God's been so faithful to teach me how to be a mom because Again, my mom did the best she could, but again, I didn't live yeah. in a home with a boy. Now I live in a home with three and I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Talk about desperation. So ABC Bible versus by Susan Hunt. And actually, I think I've almost bought every single book that woman has written. I've never met her. I've never heard her speak. She is a very gifted hmm. writer and she makes big truths in the most beautiful, simple ways mm-hmm. for children to understand. And you know what happens when parents do read those books with their kids? We learn. Totally. I'm like, wow, look at that. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Look at that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then Jesus becomes more marvelous and grand and the cross becomes more beautiful. Yeah. And vivid. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll put those in the show notes and you've made it to the fun part, my friend. I'm so proud of you. I made it. <laughs> you made it. Justin just keep kept telling me, Hunter's going to, she's not going to hang you out to dry. Like she's going to lead you with good questions and she's going to be there to rescue you when you don't know what to say. And um, you've done that. And yeah, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for your friendship. I feel so safe with you. And I've always, I've always felt so safe with you and so encouraged. And one thing that, um, has always marked you is God has given you a zeal. He has made you zealous for his word at a very young age. And it is just such an encouragement to watch him use you and for you to be able to communicate that passion and that zeal for his word in your podcast. And so I'm so excited. I'm ex- I'm just honored to be your friend and I'm excited that he's, given you this platform to do this. Oh, that's super humbling. And definitely our friendship is one of my simple joys. So you're not getting off the call until I have at least three things that bring you delight besides friendship, which if I were to say, you know, what is one of my greatest simple joys in life? Like I look back on that time in in Arkansas with you and with Joyce and with Linda with such affection and fondness. Mm -hmm. And I can say with assuredness that seeing y'all's zeal for the gospel and for the word. I will never forget Joyce sitting, kind of pounding her Bible like, this is your very life, Deuteronomy mm. 32 style. <laughs> God has so used you to spur me on or to to stir my zeal. So I'm so thankful for our friendship. Truly one of my simple joys. And I'd love to hear from you. What are three of yours? Okay. Well, you've heard a lot about a couple of them. Sports. Well, yeah. We'll take that off the table. You know, I mean, <laughs> I do. I love, I love sports. I love competition. I love to compete. It's just how God wired me, but that would not be on my list. My mm. first, my first simple joy is Justin. Oh, 
I love that man. And uh, several years ago, the Lord stirred in me to begin to tell him every time he leaves the house, hmm. almost, I mean, I try, yeah, I fail, right? But almost every <laughs> Preach time. Preach the gospel to yourself. Okay. I tell him, you're my hero. Mm. And the more I tell him he's my hero, the more he really becomes my hero. Mm-mm. And I love that man with all my heart. He is so fun to be with. We laugh and we love to stretch a dollar and we love to find a coupon and we love <laughs> we love to play and yell at Razorback games and I just love him. Shout out to Justin for for actually okay. making this podcast possible. Right. He's today's last sponsor for the show. The other simple joy are Stevens and Styles. Oh, we'll have to like attach a picture or something because they are so stinking cute. Well, can we just put a family picture for totally. my? Yes. Because I don't have a headshot either, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a book or a blog or a podcast or any of those things, there's no need for a headshot. Unless you're a millennial. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I've just dated myself. I do have a big birthday coming up. So yeah, you might need to invest in some headshots after this. <laughs> well, I better get one before I get too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can use it for the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the boys, they every morning when they come down, I say to them, I'm so glad to see you. Yes. And I really am. What happens right about 0.4 seconds after that might not reflect sure. that. But I, my greatest joy, besides being Justin's wife, is being their mom. There's no place I would rather be than battling over school and yes, practicing piano and working out um, your salvation together with fear and trembling. And sometimes yep. they fear and tremble more than others because mom's <laughs> fired up. Oh, well, I feel like you might have already answered my last question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask because it's my custom to ask every guest who has had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus, Christy. You know, it's really hard to single one person because God's been so faithful to put Mm -hmm. women and people in my life to teach me how to be a a godly woman. But if if I had to pick one, which you're you're pushing me to do, <laughs> there was a family in college um, when I came to Arkansas that not only did they share their home with me, but they shared their lives. They took me in, and I ate at their house a lot. I have no idea how much food that woman <laughs> cooked me. Um, and I would do my laundry, or she would do my laundry, and and um, wow. They just loved me, but they loved me in a very real, transparent way. And I watched them battle and work out their salvation with fear and trembling, battling for righteousness. And I watched God sanctify her and grow her in submission. She, she's a spunky lady. And, um, I love that about her, but I watched her grow in joy, joyful submission to to her husband, to Trey. And she loved me well and loves me well. And, um, it's been the sweetest gift because full circle, he has been coaching Stevens these last three years. Wow. That is so cool. That is awesome. The time that two grandpas, right? One's dying and one is, mm-hmm. he, my dad des- mm-hmm. technically has a dementia diagnosis as well. These hard things, Trey, the husband has loved Stevens in ways that, that the grandpas couldn't. And so 
I'm just so grateful and that God provides everything we need, but oftentimes in ways we would never expect. I love that about him. It was that family. It was that family that loved me enough to share Jesus in their lives with me. Wow. Well, I know you have done the same and with so many people, myself included. And so, Christy, thank you for doing that with every single one of our listeners today. We really appreciate you mustering up the courage and preaching the gospel to yourself and convincing yourself by the gospel of God's grace to come on the Journey Women podcast today. It's been a joy. Well, Hunter, you're you're one of my favorites. And if you weren't one of my favorites, I probably would have bolted. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't, my friend. I really hope that you guys found that conversation as encouraging as I did. I found myself excited to get together with my brothers and sisters this Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But even more than that, just to relish in what he has done for us on a daily basis. As always, you can find the links and noteworthy quotes on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com, listed under the show notes. To continue this discussion on the impact of the resurrection throughout the week, hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram or at journeywomenpod on Twitter. Hey, if you were enjoying the podcast, it would be a huge blessing if you could head over to iTunes and just drop us a rating and review. It'll take you just three minutes and it'll help get Journey Women into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. We love journeying alongside you guys. Cannot wait to see you here next Monday.